This is the podcast for May 21st, 2010. It's not safe for work. It's the Jeff Glass and Blue Gal podcast. I had something really bad happen to me in the car today. I I pushed the scan button on my radio and all of a sudden one of the stations comes up and it's burning down the house by talking heads. Great oh, well. great song, right? And the song's over and they say and that was talking heads burning down the house on the retro drive at 5 here on Light Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Yeah, and, and I thought, you know, that's that's light rock, huh? I remember a Doonesbury cartoon just like that, which dates me even further. <laughs> <laughs> Where you know the guy with the beard? I don't remember. I think that's Doonesbury. I think that's actually Doonesbury who's uh, uh-huh. you know he's sitting there listening to all these great songs on the radio, and all of a sudden the <clears throat> DJ interrupts to say, "We'll be right back with more light rock," and he says, "No." Yeah. <laughs> That's the Eagles, man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, this this is this is supposed to be revolutionary. No, really, no, really. Now, Crosby, now, Stills, and Nash, man, they were. <laughs> now it's now it's elevator music. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, I guess that's one sign of that you've won the revolution is No, you know, it's just a sign that you're old. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and that, that that everything is co-opted eventually. Yeah. Exactly. Devo is elevator music. That was the most revolutionary thing, you know. Yeah. And that's a little yeah. known fact. Did you know that Mark Mothersbaugh, the lead singer of Devo, had spaghetti dinner at my house in the seventies? Uh, yes, I did. It's <laughs> in the didn't liner. Know that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's in, in the, the liner, liner notes, notes of, to whip uh, it. See, it's in the liner notes of the original whip it <laughs> of, of the of the original um, forty five <laughs> that. He said, "Sorry." Sorry, that, Blue Gal's dad. I know I still owe you five bucks. Yeah. Well, I, I, I knew you were unimpeachably cool, Blue Gal. Yeah, so this well, just sort of locks um, that in. Mark Mothersbaugh and Jerry Casale were students of my dad's at Kent State University in the art department in, when I was in kindergarten in 1968. Yeah, pretty cool. Wow. So, wow. And, then yeah. they, and then they got out the hell out of Ohio and never looked back, I think was was the idea. But they were very cool. They were... Jerry Casale in 1968 walked around campus in an all-white suit, so he was like 10 years ahead of his time. He was doing John yeah. Travolta in the psychedelic <laughs> 60s and saying, up yours to all these colorful hippies. Wearing a, he was wearing a white three-piece suit around campus. And well, he was either 10 years ahead of his time or a hundred, uh, nearly 100 years behind or, yeah. or 70 years behind his time because yeah. that's, what, that's what Mark Twain used to wear on stage. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Was, um, in his latter years. Yep. The, the, uh, and and his suit was not polyester, though. I don't think. No, Twain. I'm pretty sure the uh, this is pre-polyester. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is 30 years before penicillin. So yeah. So that's there's our music there's our <clears throat> music notes for tonight. I've tried to ca- to cut off the doors between me and the gerbil. So. Okay. Well, that's that's damn uh, damn decent. Up. But you know she's out there. I know she's out there. You no, know, it's and... it's like it's like the telltale heart, you know. It's <laughs> <laughs> the telltale gerbil, you know. <laughs> when I start talking about my gerbil, and all of a sudden we're we're leaping, we're, we're deep in Poe territory. Po, po, yes. Edgar Allan Poe networking. It's like 
Not only I perceived almost imperceptibly <laughs> a be, spinning, a I spinning. Feel like we're, we feel like we're at the English department cocktail party, and you're trying to impress me, impress me into bed. You know, it's well, like long as, <laughs> a Tom Wolf, that son of a bitch owes yeah. me money. Tom Wolf in yeah. his white suit. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I, I believe that the, the topic for this evening, last week as we, we tried, as we roughly segue into. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's no, there's no nice way of segueing. I've, I've finally learned yeah, that in life. There's, right. you know, it, you're occasionally gifted with one, but, and if you're, if you're a lucky writer, you can hear one coming in your head. But, um, mm-hmm. we talked last week, um, for those of you listening to these in order, we talked last week about trust or about, about risk. Risk. Yes, we did. And, and this week, you know, you and I did a little pregame and we, we thought maybe the topic this week, we could, we could center it around the idea of trust or mm-hmm. integrity. Mm-hmm. But it has to do with faith. It has to do with trust. It has to do with they said something, and you have no way of verifying it. Do you trust your alderman in Chicago? I, I by and large, no. Okay. I don't trust the ald. I trust the alderman to act in their self interest. Mm-hmm. But we have. A, a, well, let me just tell you what the case Go is. Ahead. There's tell me what's going there's, on. What's, there's a local what's alderman in Chicago. It's happening in Chicago. Oh, Chicago's just jumping. It's it's a title in town. But there there are a handful of aldermen who. Uh, in my judgment, mm-hmm. and this is where I preface this by saying I have reached the conclusion that there are a handful of aldermen who are better than others. Yeah, okay. Or and who are, are more reliable than others. But this one alderman uh, named Tony Preckwinkle, tall African American woman, I, I've had several occasions to sort of view her across a crowded room or see her in action, and she's always very serious. She she always has her facts in front of her. She she usually doesn't speak out of um, ignorance. Mm-hmm. She's very well prepared for everything. She knows the city budget really well, and she really is sort of the – this is – okay, this is a thoughtful person. Well, she's running for Todd Stroger's position. Oh, now you've talked Todd, to me about him before. Todd Stroger is, little, is – little, This is little Todd Stroger. This is Baby Todd, Todd's son of John. John Stroger was the call, president. What do they call him? Little Todd? The toddler. The, the toddler. toddler. Okay. All yeah. right. I call him the toddler. And he is just as. an infantilized as, name for this guy. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's, he's the, you know, his, his daddy had the job before him and now he has the job and he's, and he's basically a smirking little fuck up. Okay. Um, so Tony Preckwinkle is running for this, to take the place of this, uh, this little, little runt. And she ran on a promise to cut people's taxes. Uh, she ran on a lot of things, but she ran on a, a promise to cut people's taxes. But the um, the upshot is this: that you have this corrupt county government run by a the corrupt son of a corrupt father, and you have this alderman who won the primary, promising to bring you know her integrity and good government to the position, and she would cut taxes. And she has won the primary, and is now the general election is coming up in a few months, and she announced in the paper today that she will not be able to keep her promise to cut taxes. That um, she, insiders, uh, the paper said today, told her, uh, informed her that the budget deficit, the county budget deficit, is about twice as big as anybody ever thought. Ever, anybody told her it was that it's you know five hundred million instead of two hundred and fifty million or whatever it is. It, it's it's tw- it's twice as big as anybody ever said it was. Therefore, she will not be able to keep her promise to cut taxes. And this this is during the campaign. She hasn't been elected yet. No, but the, but she won the primary. Okay. Well, then she Sorry. won because she's a Democrat. Well, she won exactly. So that's that's the question. There's, there's mm-hmm. the independent running, and there's the Republican running. And I'm sure there's a Green candidate who is going to be terribly insulted for me not remembering who it is. But so the primaries are over, but the generals are not done yet, and she's she is now. The question I have for myself, and I can't answer this question: Is she lying or not? Mm. Because her her statement is insiders have told me. 
Now, I've, I absolutely believe that the county government is bankrupt. The city government is bankrupt. Mm-hmm. The state government is bankrupt. Everybody's broke, and everybody knows it, and everybody's sitting on a big pile of debt, and everybody knows it. And these are structural problems that everybody knows have existed for 10 years at least, and everybody has kicked them down the road because it's it's too hard to tell taxpayers, no, you're not going to get. Right. And it's much easier to say, you know, everyone's corrupt, and everyone's a, you know, yeah. a, a, a thief – as opposed to, there's we built so much a, waste in government that we just yes. have to cut the waste, and then well, if we just if we just bust up a few unions yeah, and blame yeah. a few teachers, then you know and, it'll all be and okay. Don't forget, we have to we hey, we need tort reform. Don't forget yes, the tort, tort reform. reform. And tax cuts. <laughs> yeah, and you ask a teabagger that question. They've been taxed you know, enough already. Do you do you believe that your taxes are lower than they've been in your entire life? The answer is no. No. And you can show them the statistics, and they'll say no. And 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 the answer again goes back to faith. Yeah. They believe what Sarah Palin tells them. Yep. Therefore, they yep. will not be persuaded by some nasty little facts that prove them otherwise. And that's the that's the you know the, the necessary ingredient in decision making is you can have the best metrics in the world and the best data in the world, but it comes down to do you trust the person? Mm-hmm. And that's what brings me back to Tony Preckwinkle, which is I don't know if I believe her or not. You don't believe, but but you your eyes I don't know your, I, your eyes tell you that what she's saying. Has the could, ring has the ring of truth? It could very well be true that she um, ran on a legitimate promise and is telling, excuse me, is telling people before the election. Well, that, that that's she, what gets me is why is she telling people now? And well, that's the, the, the question. It, what's is, in it for her uh, to say now? Exactly, and and if the if if your judgment, if your faith says mm-hmm. it's because she's honest, yeah. Uh, and she's just trying to be straight with you, saying, look, I know I said I could do this, but I can't because we're broke. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to think about her and politics and elections one way. Mm-hmm. If if you believe, well, you know, just another politician who used a promise that she knew she couldn't keep to sleaze through the primaries mm-hmm. where the, all the real competition is and can now you know blow it off and appear to be – Honorable, you know, to John Edwards, essentially. Yeah, right. You know, can 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 uh, is, is a really good politician. Really does believe in all the right things. Touches you on all the right places. Makes you feel so good, and it turns out, oh my God. Yeah. You know, there's a sociopath living in that very nice haircut, mm-hmm. um, who never meant any of it, but you know, who a consummate con man. And this is where you know a lot of people, and myself included, I, I, in this case get sort of frozen into inaction because I don't know what to believe. I have no ability to judge whether or not I'm being lied well, to or not. What, what part of the – what's again, I ask you, what's in it for her to tell the truth now? And what's in to it be, – To be honest. Okay. You know? and, and why would she lie about this? Uh, lie about what? About the county being broke. Oh, no, she, she wouldn't lie about that. She would. She the, the the question is, did she know that she would have to break her promise before the primary? Oh, I see. Okay, I, this is the part that I was missing. I apologize. Right. That so, was, that was so in other words, that. she she has ipso facto won the election because she won the Democratic primary. Is that uh, that's well? That's the question mark. I don't. I think she probably has. Yeah, and, and she is, she's taking a risk though by uh-huh. now saying midstream between the primary and the general election. I will I not be able I, to cut your taxes as a right. county. And there's, you know, well, she 50, certainly does set herself apart from the Todd Strogers of the world. Todd Stroger wouldn't do that. Well, that's well. Todd Stroger has said in, in latter days that, you know, county government is more broke than you imagine. 
Mm-hmm. And, and so then he gives, you know, and then he gives contracts to his best friends. Yeah. Well, now he's you know he's on his way out. Yeah. So on, on his way out, he's basically you know liquidating the place and throwing money at yeah. his friends. Yeah. Um, and the rules are set up so that you can't you know you can't stop that. I, you know, we're constantly challenged to make decisions in the face of of terribly imperfect information. Mm-hmm. And we have to fall back on trust and faith and integrity. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where sort of the the Palinites come in and the people the, the bush people also come in because you know you know the the nice little old ladies who you always find out have been scammed by con artists but never went to the police yep the tea baggers yeah which is yeah. they they cannot admit that their trust was horribly misplaced because exactly. you know you can you know it's not a matter this is where this is what why trust and faith are so dangerous yep because once you give them it's very hard on a personal level to take them back. Exactly, it, it really you know, is, and that's, that's, admit, a, that's a, a very good analogy that that they're they're the little old lady who was taken, and yeah. oh, no, I wasn't, and, no, I wasn't. Yeah. That was a very nice salesman, that George Bush. Well, I just don't want yeah. to talk about him anymore, because right. now look what we've got. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. Let's. We have, but you, they took all your money and they screwed you, and you know, and no, they didn't. And, yeah. <laughs> well, that's well, because and, I'm taxed too much. It's taxes. Yes. Nothing it's exists so before sad. January. It's it just really so is sad. It is, and it's you know, it is, it is the difference between you know changing your mind about buying a car, or getting a divorce, I suppose. Yeah. You know, because because in the one case, it's simply you know an option. You pick one or pick the other. Yep. But in in you know in other cases, it's it's a matter of I made this huge emotional investment mm-hmm. in this thing, and I need. And I and I've stuck with it way past when I should have. Yeah. So how do I face myself? Tea party movement, quote unquote, is mm-hmm. a whole cloth creation of Fox News. It is. That is the elephant in the room that people don't talk about enough. And every time we talk about the tea baggers and the tea partiers and so on and so forth, what we're really talking about is Fox News viewers who are enamored enough of Glenn Beck to go to a Fox News rally. Mm-hmm. And if we don't continually remind ourselves and everyone else of that fact, we're really missing a, an essential component. The Tea Party started earlier this year, right after the inauguration in 2008, yes. with yes. Fox 2000. News. Yes, it you, did. Two years ago. Sure, Fox yeah. News started this. Yeah. <laughs> Promoted this is, it, had this is, rallies in yeah. 50, 15 states, had mm-hmm. personalities attending these rallies and covering and, and if, them. If, if you have, and if you have front people who believe that they're engaged in a, in a, in a, you know, a, a, a wildfire populist uprising, that's great. Yeah. But I would strongly urge that you go to your local Netflix or get, go to Netflix and rent Meet John Doe. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, this is this is the John Doe movement. This is the John Doe movement. And this is you know this is DB Norton, right? You know, the industrialist DB Norton who who has who planned the whole thing. He planned the whole you thing know? and and funded it and made sure there were brochures and and yeah. venues Got him. and yeah and, and put it all together it. and then a, and then expected it to be you know well, he's a fascist yeah and and he's and a fascist he's, he's, he's going to elevate us of, and he's Dick Cheney too. I mean yeah. he's perfectly Dick Cheney. Anyway. And, and, well, and there's a that John Doe moment where John Doe, the punitive head of the movement, yeah. wanders into the meeting of the big industrialists who are planning yes, to divide right. up the unions and labors there, and everybody's everybody's in on the scam. Yeah. 
And, yeah. and at the moment, and this is the key moment, the moment that John Doe cause, turns on his captors, turns He's on his out. owner. He's kicked out, yeah. He, the, 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 the media machine destroys him, mm-hmm. and they literally cut the microphones of yeah, the big John Doe rally. Yeah. And they all act like they've been shocked, shocked by this con artist, this yep. scam artist who yep. is trying to pollute. And it really is, you know, and in the, it has a nice, it's a Frank Capra movie, so of it has a nice Frank is. Capra ending, you know, but the idea that, that, and you know, you know, you know where he's standing when the mic is cut too. That's something that people don't remember. Madison Square Garden? No, he's actually oh. on the pitcher's mound. Oh, Yankee Stadium. Yankee Stadium. Yes, yes, and he played yeah, Gary Cooper. What, that was what he always, where he always wanted to be as a as a ball player, but he had a bum arm, and so he, he's an out of work bum, and they oh. turn him into John Doe, and he's standing on the pitcher's mound, and they cut his mic. Yeah, it's really that's it's one a, it's of the a, go, It's a perfect movie. It's just a perfect. It really movie. is. That's and it's a perfect Stanwyck, and it's perfect. Oh, it's just perfect. How do you not love that? Oh yeah, and, but yeah. and it's and it's a, but it, it it really does. Sort of, and it was 1940-41 that thing was made. This is not new. The idea no. that you have, you know, you have essentially Rupert Murdoch, you know, the fascist Rupert Murdoch, bankrolling a quote unquote populist movement to, you know, to that he is that he is using for his own political ends and the ends of the, you know, of the corporations yeah. that are his friends and the rich people that are his friends is not a new idea. It's a very old idea. <laughs> I, I, I brought my I brought my chalkboard and three pieces of chalk, and I'm going to explain to you world history in 20 you gotta, seconds. You got to squint. <laughs> but, but, that's, but, what it but that's what I wanted to get back to about the Tea Party and the tea, uh-huh. tea bagger movement, or however you want to say it, is that their sense of trust and uh, faith is something that had to be very fungible. It had to be. Mm-hmm. It was fine to be asleep during the Bush administration because well or or complicit I mean I'll be a little more yeah I'll be well they they tell themselves they were asleep they tell themselves they were asleep well and I've used this metaphor before and Mm -hmm. it is a little bit you know a little bit extreme but you know the tea baggers are the you know German soldiers after the fall of Berlin burning their burning their burning their uniforms uniforms. and pretending they were in Switzerland the whole time they're liars there aren't there aren't 20 million new people out there who just all of a sudden are in politics no they were Republicans absolutely they were Republicans and everybody fucking well knows it but the press pretends that this is a brand new crop of people who've never been all their front men are you know young and women and who can come out and say I was never involved in the movement before and, and suddenly I was awakened and disturbed no, and then and, it turns out they've been watching Glenn Beck for five years, and they've been yeah. watching, they've been listening to Rush Limbaugh for fifteen years, or however long he's been on the. Oh well, yeah, there's a, a feature in the New York Times called "The Conversation." This is sort of the the the, the classic villager lesson, <laughs> you know, that that the the last defenders of establishmentarianism keep drawing. You know, you know, we started off talking about, you know, the, the cynical pose of both sides do it. Yeah. The cynical pose that, you know, everyone is corrupt and everyone's equally wrong, so what does it matter who I vote for? That's unacceptable. If you listen to this podcast and that's your attitude, hang up now. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, as, as much as we're kind of depressed sometimes or at least kind of you know, we squint the future and, and look real hard for silver linings to things, we're always looking for silver linings to things. We, we we as liberals believe in the future. We believe in tomorrow. We believe that tomorrow can be better than today. Mm-hmm. And if you're one of those people that is like, fuck it, yeah. who cares? Uh, we're not for you. This is not a podcast for you. You know, we don't we don't need your negative energy. So go away. We don't want you hanging around and, and bring this down, man. 
Yeah. But but the posture, the sort of the, the relentless selling of of the posture that both sides are equally bad, both sides are equally wrong. Um, there's this conversation in the New York Times between David Brooks and Gail uh, Collins that happens, you know, on usually Tuesdays or Wednesdays. And I'm looking at the column from today, and, and David Brooks is telling Gail he's trying to figure out what Washington is going to look like in one year. Mm-hmm. The combined message that's been sent over the past two weeks is that there isn't is entirely too much bipartisan cooperation going in Washington, and voters want to see an end to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and later on, Mr. Brooks um, says, you know, I don't quite see how any of this is going to make Washington any different. It's just going to make the capital more of what it already is, a home to ideological purists giving top-of-their-lung speeches on C-SPAN. Yeah, yeah. David Brooks is a conservative. Therefore, it is absolutely in David Brooks' interest to pretend that conservatives are no worse than liberals. The lessons he's drawing from the election or the primary that happened today is that, well, you know, all the reasonable people lost – and all the oh, crazy wow. fringe people won. Wow. Well, no, Dave, no, that's not the lesson that that anybody who's not a fucking liar um, and okay, deluded that, that reminds me exactly of Sandy, draw from it. Sandy underpants at the aristocrats. He his explanation of uh, Congressman Souter's affair. Uh, Souter's the one that had the abstinence uh, mm-hmm. video with the staffer that he was having an affair with. Yeah. Yeah, I love Sandy Underpants at the Aristocrats, and his explanation is, and this is exactly like David Brooks, la la la, walking down the street minding his own business when kapow, he gets fucked by one of his staffers. That poor congressman didn't stand a chance. That poor man. (laughs) That poor man. That poor, poor. You killed (laughs) Kenny. You killed Kenny. You killed Kenny. That poor congressman. Yeah. That poor, bless poor man. his heart. Yeah. As we say in Alabama, bless his yeah. heart. Bless his heart. He got which is, which is, Yeah. <laughs> Through no fault of his own. And that's exactly what happened <laughs> yeah. to the GOP yeah. this year. It's like, what are we going to do now that all of the reasonable insiders are gone? Yeah. Golly. Gee, what are we going to do? Brooks, you know? who, who are you going to fellate once all the reasonable yeah. insider power, power well, politics is? Is replaced, and that's the point. The, the, yeah. the, the argument between the left and the center is going on inside the Democratic Party. Oh, I thought it was going inside David Brooks's oh, head. It, of course it is. Of course, it, but but David David Brooks and a bunch of other people like him. Yeah, um, their careers depend on the conservatives not being discredited. Oh, and or, yeah, and they and they <clears throat> depend on having a reliable source of. Inside the Beltway, Georgetown parties to go to. I mean, that's right. really and that gets back to trust. Yeah, David absolutely. Brooks's whole shtick is I'm an insider. Yeah, I talk to these people, and I can, you you can trust me when I tell you yeah. that the the real skinny on uh, on DC is that both sides are shrill and both yeah, sides blah, are blah, unreasonable. Blah, blah, blah. And, and then and then sides, what happens if all those bullshit. insiders that you're talking to get kicked out by the electorate, and all of a uh-huh. sudden, who are you going to talk to next? You know, and yeah. it's well. I'm David Brooks. Of course, you'll find you. Know, they'll all talk yeah. to you. We know. We get it. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I don't see a lot of room being made for David Brooks at the Sestak table. No, well, <laughs> that was my post today. Was <laughs> oh really? Okay, Mister and Mrs. Greenspan were, <laughs> were discussing, and Alan Greenspan says, 
oh shit, here come the Sestax, smile and act natural. <laughs> because really, Andrea Mitchell last night, uh, you know, during the, when, as, as we watched Sestak win, she looked like, as I put in my blog, she looked like her favorite uncle had just died. <laughs> you know, it was just devastating. And, you know, she's one of the Philadelphia Mitchells. You know what I mean? She's University of Pennsylvania, Philadelphia. Um, and for those of you who don't know, who don't get Blue Gal's joke, she's married to Alan Greenspan. She's married to Alan Greenspan. And, you know, gives, <clears throat> gives parties and goes to nerd prom with, on his arm and does, you know, is inside the Beltway doing these Georgetown, the Georgetown party circuit yeah. constantly. And, and I and, blame that circuit for the idea that a two-term congressman can be called a Washington outsider well, and can get away with it. You know, you he, know, he it, can say, well, I'm going to go down there and fix Washington. It's like, you've been there for four years. What are yeah. you talking about? Well, and everyone, again, everyone runs against Washington. The media looks at it as if it's Andrea Mitchell and, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Greenspan, yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Mitchell define, you know, the club that you are not in. Right. Absolutely. Um, David Brooks is a, is a member in good standing in that insider he club. He certainly is. He can and show is, up at any party and be welcomed. And, yeah. Well, and. And part of the reason I, I sort of dog him, and I do, um, is is I went to this uh, lecture by James Fallows locally. Uh, James Fallows is a very good writer at The Atlantic magazine with whom I occasionally disagree, but that is neither here nor there. And he gave a really good speech on China. And one of the things he said that really stuck with me was nobody in China gives a shit what I think, what James Fallows writes in The, in the Atlantic magazine. Um, the only – paper china pays attention to in america is the new york times wow as far as they're concerned the new york times speaks for the united states so yeah. please understand that our largest competitor our largest trading partner mm -hmm. our banker and our cultural competitor mm -hmm. uh, a billion people in this world only know of america in a certain sense in a certain kind of weird rarefied sense only know about america from tom friedman Yep. And yep. David Brooks. Yeah. Yeah. And they are speaking to That's a much scary. larger, more powerful yeah. audience than you and I could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. And they mm -hmm. speak for this country. Yep. And, and, you know, David Brooks has made a, a career out of lying, out of, out of making, making up little stories about little homilies, little harmless sounding tales about how the country is. And isn't it sad that everyone's so angry? And isn't it sad that everyone is, and he, his job is to redeem conservatism. His job is to pretend that the problem with this country isn't almost entirely on the right. Because if that were true, he wouldn't have a job. Yeah. He would have no ability to continue. And considering he has no other visible skills at all, he would be, you know, have, he'd have a paper hat job. So his job is to keep <coughs> selling no matter what. Bless you, Blue Gal. Thank you. His job is to keep selling no matter what. You know, the, the, the line from, uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, always be closing. Yeah. Every David Brooks column is a closing argument for the theory that Democrats and liberals are just as bad as conservatives yeah. and Republicans. Yeah. Yeah. That, that there's a, a reasonable center that he happens to occupy, he happens to share a two-flat there with Tom Friedman, and that anyone outside of that is equally shrill and equally wrong and equally extreme on both sides. And that's just a lie. And it's, it's, I think, the worst and most dangerous lie in American politics mm. today. And our job, Blue Gal, our job is to, to finish it, this podcast before it's Thursday it. morning. <laughs> yes. I apologize for, for we, yapping we on do there, this. We, No, that's all right. We, we record these, by the way, on, on Wednesday nights, folks. And 
it is about to become Thursday morning, yes. so it's time yes. to stop. So I apologize to Blue Gal. I'm going to drag the internet kitty out of her sleep. Yeah. Well, let's thank our listeners, first of all. We're so yes. glad you've joined us. We have a website where you can listen to past episodes on a free player. You don't need any additional equipment other than a computer with speakers to listen to all of our back episodes. Uh, that is at dgbgpodcast.blogspot.com. Did you know we've started um, selling DGBG Podcast keychains, Drift Class? I, I bought, I bought, <laughs> you bought a dozen. I, I bought ten. <laughs> no, yeah. you did. Some for this economic. Well, you know, again, it, it, the economic model is if you keep money running through the economy fast enough, everybody gets rich. <laughs> so I figure I'm going to buy them. You buy three hundred of them, we'll be millionaires. Fast. Yeah, by the end of the month. Exactly. Exactly. We took some advice uh, from one of our listeners and started a Zazzle store with very modest Zazzle store with T-shirts, one T-shirt, one keychain, and I can't remember. Well, you're you're describing my wardrobe there. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, I, <laughs> that's also at our website, dgbgpodcast.blogspot.com. You can email us. We would love to hear from you. We are at dgbgpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, email us anytime with any feedback. We love hearing from our readers. Pass it along to a few friends. We've been doing this now for a few months. I'd, lo- I'd love to hear from our readers to, to tell us if we are hitting our stride or if we're getting redundant or what have you. So I want to second what Blue Gal said about getting food- feedback from our readers and finding out you know what's on your minds out there. Yeah, yeah. We're um, very interested. We do. And you can contribute at our website as well. There's a PayPal button there. Mm-hmm. Also, I want to do a shout-out to John Amato and the team at Crooks and Liars. They are doing a fundraiser this week. And if you oh. are one of yep. the many people who depend on Crooks and Liars, um, both of us contribute to that blog. John Amato is a terrific a-lister. I think he's the best A-lister out there. Um, Great. And uh, he and Heather and the rest of the team at Crooks and Liars are amazingly hardworking seven days a week. And uh, I'm proud to be a part of that. And so if you have extra well, change, we want you to give it there, too. And you're his consigliere. Come on. What? Yeah. <laughs> what does that yeah. mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're the Tom Hagen to his godfather. To oh, his Mike, I see. To his Michael Corleone. Yeah. No, I don't yeah. think so. But, but, uh, oh. we, all of us keep the wheels running over there. Yes. So it's, it's a really, it is a truly, um, what I've seen from looking in from the outside, it is a, a monumental group mm-hmm. effort. And, and um, I've, real... said this to, I've said this to several people. One of the, the reasons it works so well as a team is John Amato is very good at finding people who know that what it's about is the blog and not the ego. And I think that comes from being a, a session musician. You know, He's a saxophonist and played with Duran Duran and had a great career as a musician. Mm-hmm. And I think knowing that and having that kind of personality where it's about making the music sound good and not about, you know, your name being on the on the stage lights but really working as a as a band. He's picked people on the blog who get it that it doesn't matter if your byline appears today or tomorrow or 3 weeks from now. The mm-hmm. point is to make the blog serve the cause and serve the reader and he's all of us really have that in mind. Plus, plus poking fun at Rand Paul, which <laughs> <laughs> come on, 
that's how could you that's not? our odds for this week. It's just I really, <laughs> as I said on Twitter, I really think it's time for Goldman Sachs to short the Ron Paul camp, <laughs> the Rand Paul campaign, <laughs> if they haven't already. This is it's it's kind of over over there. Oh, um, I don't know. I'm enjoying the hell out of it. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So thank you everyone for listening, and we we deeply appreciate it. Mm-hmm. We really are. So I'm gonna I'm gonna wake up the elder oh. feline, the elder castle feline, who will who will in a very stately kind of <laughs> harpsichord kind of lurch way, very in a very gracious and, and genteel no, way. Won't. No, she won't. Say she'll, up yours. I'm not getting yeah. up for nobody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's, she's like Jelly Roll Morton. Yes. Jelly Roll Kitty, play us out, won't you, Internet Kitty? podcast is produced under a Creative Commons license, copyright 2010, Driftglass Bluegale Podcast.